Hello and welcome to today's Freedom Series live stream. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Nicola Willis from NW Marketing. Nicola, how are you doing today? Hello, going well. How are you doing, Mr. Near-to-be book author? Oh, Near-to-be book author. Yeah, you're one of the very few people that have actually uh, read the book, which we could talk about in a second. Yeah. But uh, before we get into that, uh, who are you? Like, what is it that you do? Why should people be watching this live stream right now? God, that's a bit of an existential question, isn't it? Who am I? Um, I'm Nicola. I'm from NW Marketing. We're the small business cheerleaders working with small business. Um, yeah, basically, we're here to provide an avenue to get businesses seen online, um, to help them find their niche, uh, and also to provide all of our experience, uh, 22 years worth, um, providing it to them um, because a lot of small businesses don't have access to that sort of level of experience uh, yeah. unless they go to a huge agency, pay lots and lots and lots of money. And I just don't think that that's fair. So we're the small business cheerleader, each to their own. Everyone needs something, but we're there for um, small businesses to allow them to grow. So that's what we're about. Yeah, thank you for that. And uh, welcome to all of you lovely people who are watching this live across multiple platforms. Uh, just to let you know, my team is uh, monitoring the comments. So if you've got any questions throughout this live stream for myself or Nicola, please let us know. Uh, please also hit like and start a watch party so others can join in on the show as well. And question I've got for you that are watching in the audience today is, do you currently run paid advertising? Are you currently running paid advertising right now? Uh, give us a yes or no, and I'll uh, come back to that in a sec. So, Nicola, you would have seen a lot in the last 22 years. Uh, mm -hmm. The platforms have changed. Like, I remember when I started my first business 18 years ago, um, they just started to allow advertising to be ran on Facebook, or well, shortly thereafter. Yeah. Uh, no idea what we were doing, and we started to experiment and play around. And I remember going to one lady's house one day, and she's like, oh, you guys are amazing. Like, you're everywhere. We had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. Um, Tell me, tell me, does traditional marketing still work the way that it used to work? Well, what I'm finding, um, obviously, 22 years ago, there were there was no such thing as the internet. We used to fax everything that we ever had through to our advertising agencies, and they'd have to fax it back for us to look at it. So that's how old I am. Um, but now you'd probably say that um, press is finding it difficult. Print media is finding it difficult at the moment, for sure. We're finding that um, everything we're doing is based on Facebook ads, Instagram. Uh, a lot of it is um, lead conversion ads, looking at getting results. Uh, whereas beforehand, you used to just put an ad out and you would hope that people would see it. You would yeah. hope that you got the return on your investment. Uh, you'd put a coupon in it or something to try and, and if you got 1% back, that was, uh, that was a win. Yeah. Uh, so now you're looking much more at statistics, a lot more at lead conversions, who's going to your ads, who's who's going to your website and who's retargeting ads are majorly, majorly important now. Um, getting what we call low-hanging fruit. People that are already interested, they're warm to your offer. Mm. And then what you're doing is a retargeting ad on Facebook or Instagram and then you're hitting them again saying hey we know you're interested how about this mm. and we're finding that for clients that's where we can get the most uh, value for their their dollar in regards to facebook advertising for sure yeah you said something interesting you said that like print media and pr are struggling a little bit mm -hmm. uh, we had an amazing live stream last night with dave thompson who uh, runs inspirational uh, author academy and helps people to write their their first book in a week 
yeah. like phenomenal. That, that, I don't even know how it's possible. He's done it hundreds of times over. Mm. Um, do you believe that is true for like authorship and writing book and the authority aspect of putting together a book? If you're a company that can create IP or, mm. uh, you know, pull a book together, do you still feel that that is not getting as much traction as say your PR and print media or does it fall into a different category? Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, when it comes to media, I think the, the viral sense and being able to uh, collect all that information online is very important. Yeah. Um, and the feedback from your uh, readers, the feedback from everyone, I think it needs to be done. I love um, Audible at the moment. Anything to do with Audible is a win for me because I can do it two things at once and I feel like I'm getting a lot more engagement with the author, even though it may not be them reading it. I, I love it and I know you do read it um i find it just so much more uh empowering um doing it that way so i think having online when it comes to um authors is very important yeah absolutely yeah it's it's interesting because if we look at many years ago attention spans were very different to what we are right now like we're living in an environment right now where everyone's competing for our attention all the time I did notice too, like I think it was overnight, Facebook lost 75 billion mm. off their- In advertising. Uh, in advertising, mm -hmm. uh, which was interesting as well. There's definitely some changes coming, some further changes coming yep. this year. Yeah. Um, but for businesses, I believe in many sense, there's never been an easier time to grow a business than right now. Yeah. And in contradiction, there's never been a more challenging time right now. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we didn't have access to uh, Facebook, to YouTube, to Google Ads, to everything that we've got today that allows us to basically uh, be able to sell our products and services worldwide, like at the click of a button and for cents on the dollar as well. Yeah. But then the other side of that too is that that software, that technology is so readily, readily, readily available yeah. that every business owner has the opportunity to do just that as well. Yeah. So how does one stand out um, online? And if you've just joined us on the live stream, I'd love to know, like, are you currently running paid advertising and is it working for you? Are you currently running paid advertising? Is it working for you? Nicola, like, how do we cut through the noise? Well, I mean, I think it's a matter of, um, you can't just say you're the best at everything now. It, it's just not enough because everyone's out there saying they're the best at this or they're the best at that. Um, Mike Michalowicz talks about in the pumpkin plan, um, better's not better, different is better. Yeah. So it's about finding a niche and owning that niche. Uh, and that's why um, we're known as a small business cheerleader. That's what we're about. So you have to stand for something. So you stand for something or that saying, you know, you, you fall for everything. If yeah. you own something and you believe it, people will go along on your journey. So I think that's what it comes down to. You know, even if you're a beautician or you're a tradie or, I mean, then there's lots of other people doing similar businesses. You have to find what it is in particular that makes you different. Uh, it, so it's not saying you're the best because everyone thinks they're the best and promotes themselves as being the best. So if you're going to be promoting Facebook ads along with everyone else, what is it that's going to make you stand out? It's going to be your authenticity for sure. And it's going to be uh, showing up in your advertising. So whether that means you show up as yourself in your ads, um, similar to you do. People like to see a face. They like to know who they're buying from. Yeah. So making curated Instagram feeds is wonderful. Um, but if you're just using other people's photos and you're just using other content to make it look pretty, it, it's not authentic. Yeah. Um, and I think now more than ever, people want a connection. So they want to know that they're having that connection with the person or a business or a business owner. 
Uh, and we've noticed with the shopping centre clients that we have, um, providing um, the human face of the small businesses within the shopping centre is having major cut through, organic cut through, because people like to see a face. They like to be able to know that who they're supporting is an actual person and uh, someone who actually has goals and ambitions as well. So um, I would highly recommend if you're doing uh, your small business and you're doing Facebook ads, it needs to be something that if you're doing a small dollar spend, it needs to cut through. And that's where authenticity comes in for sure. Yeah. Really interesting point you mentioned. And it reminded me, we did a live stream a few days ago with um, Gabrielle Doolan and she's all about storytelling yes. and the power of storytelling, um, both from a marketing perspective, but also from an internal culture and team building perspective. And I think we've seen a massive shift in the last few years around leadership and no longer is that dictatory type leadership effective. Like in actual fact, it's not at all. I no. think what's the most effective leadership now is authenticity and vulnerability. Yeah, and, and that's exactly right. Like Brene um, Brown says yeah. in the book Dare to Lead, highly recommend that for any small business owners. It was a real game changer for me. She uh, talks about leaning into vulnerability and rumbling uh, with vulnerability, which means even when you have to have uh, internal conversations or hard conversations, um, remember the saying, um, hard conversations, easy life, easy conversations, yeah. hard life. Uh, that works in life and business. Because that just was a game changer for me because yeah. if you can have the conversation up front and be willing to do it with vulnerability, then more people are willing to open up and come to you with that. Yeah. Um, that direct leadership where people are scared of you and you have to be the, 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 the leader where they do it out of fear, not out of respect, is not a leadership style that works anymore and you'll never be able to keep staff that way or grow staff because they'll never be able to to come to you that way and the same with business and it, um that same sort of vulnerability needs to be shown in in how you show up yeah. um it needs to you know if you're sharing share your good and your bad because people don't want to see businesses that are just all shiny and wonderful because it's not real and they they don't then think the business is real because yeah. if everything's 100 percent shiny all the time Somewhere. so um yeah, so I think it's definitely a matter of um, showing up with authenticity and doing the same with your staff. Um, yeah. We have an open book policy here in regards to my staff know exactly where we need to go. They know exactly how and what we need to achieve to get there. Yeah. Um, they know that um, along the journey, there'll be rewards as they go and there'll be hard times. But if we all work together, then we're more likely to get there. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that is something a lot of businesses are having to go towards because uh, especially younger people coming out of um, graduates and uni now, they it's a different expectation than maybe what you and I had. You know, when we were younger and coming out, you know, people just yelled at you and that was just the way it was and you just stuck in your hole and worked hard, hoped yeah. you got somewhere. Um, but when you actually see them now, they're, they're really willing to be involved in everything. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Someone um, on one of the live streams the other day, I'm not sure who it was, but they, they, they put it so beautifully. Don't compare your behind the scenes to somebody's highlight reel. Yeah. And essentially on social media, like what we're seeing is everyone's highlight reel. Um, yeah. there's, there's a part I want to speak about in a second. We've got a couple of questions coming in. I'm going to ask you, but um, just put a pin on this. I want to speak to or speak about uh, the growth cycles that we go through as business owners mm -hmm. going from like being a startup. Most of the time we take on anything and everything yeah. to get us going, but there needs to become a point where we start to shift um, from that. Uh, let's jump into the questions. If you guys are watching on the live stream, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Hit the like button. Um, please tag someone else who you think needs to hear this or even start a watch party. It's a great way to uh, engage more people around the importance 
I was speaking about today. So Kim from Perth said, uh, since she's a retail, retail veteran, uh, speaking of going against adversity, uh, could Nicola talk about helping retailers thrive in the face of challenges uh, from the likes of online shopping, overseas concerns and things like that? How do we get these these retailers to thrive when they are up against so much competition with with yep. you know online shopping and overseas? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, especially the last two years, um, pre-COVID, uh, retail was struggling majorly. Um, we were seeing lots of vacancies, lots of retailers needing rental assistance. Um, it was just a, a really hard time and a hard time to be a marketer for shopping centres, in particular retailers within those shopping centres, because everyone was saying, well, you, we're just shopping online. Uh, what retail had to do was work on the experience. So what you need to do is provide that experience that they can't get elsewhere provide uh, a lot of uh, shops ended up doing VIP sessions for customers, providing uh, in-store events, providing uh, using their email list to provide exclusivity, uh, a way to, um, you know, to get them in the store to experience something, not just to buy. Mm. And that's been uh, Inside Retail is a, a magazine that I've subscribed to for well, geez, 15 years. And that's where it shows the worldwide view as well as just Australia where retail is. And the majority of shopping centres are having to change their mix in general, the mm. mix of retail that is in there because of that. People want experience now. So you'll notice that fashion is going down and it's becoming more about experience and it's becoming more about um you know, levels where there's food, dining precincts, cinemas, rock climbing walls. It's all about getting people there to experience something and then to buy something. So it's the same with your store. There has to be an experience. The bigger retailers are doing it well, like Nike and all of those are providing. They might have one shop, even like sneaker shops. They had um, a series of, they only gave away 300 sneakers worth, I think it was like $4,000 each, but they were so exclusive and they had to go in store to get them. So it's it's a way of doing that. That's what I'm telling my retailers. But that's also where I say get the authenticity, get your face out there. Mm -hmm. So when we do the retailer profiles in all of the retailer outlets that we have, uh, that's what we do as a shopping centre to promote that support local, shop local, here's your face, so that people can see that by them popping online, they're not helping their local retailer. Yeah. And omni-channel is definitely a must for those that can do it. You need to have both avenues covered so that they can find you online as well as in-store if you possibly can. I, I was just about to mention that. And, and regardless, like, like you know, we're going through evolution and you need to innovate to stay up. And online is still an amazing opportunity. Regardless, there is some shops that maybe benefit from going all online, but there's still many that need to. And uh, I think it's positive to provide the in-store experience yeah. as well. And, and yeah, and they have to realise that it's only 5 or 6% um, of the total revenue spend that is online. So that is still a, a major, major part that still want that experience of bricks and mortar. Uh, so it, it's it's definitely never going to go away. It, it's just morphed. So you just have to, the ones that have taken longer to get onto the online or omni-channel are the ones that are struggling and the yep. ones that have not been able to find a difference. Like I talked about, remember, you can't just say you're the best because everyone is. Yeah. So you need to find what it is that makes you different and um, really hone in on that. And yeah. then you'll be able to be the king of that niche, that thing, and then promote to that. And then you'll have, instead of trying to be everything to everyone, you can be the best in that niche and be known for it. And yeah. then you'll be able to um, have your message a lot clearer. Yeah, Seth Godin talks a lot about that too in his book, This Is Marketing, around yeah. you know niching right down and being specific and 
you know, you could have a hundred clients only that are higher paying and that are happy to, to pay, play and stay, you yeah. know, for a long period of time. Yet I think a lot of companies make the mistake of playing the volumes game. And yeah. it's an expensive game when you're churning and burning clients, you know, oh. long-term lifetime value and so forth. So yeah. I, I think, you know, all of the, the so-called crises or adversities we have creates equal or greater opportunity as well if you're open to innovating and changing your business model. Uh, another question I'd love to ask too, if you're watching us live, welcome. Uh, please post your questions in the chat. My team will collect them and, and send them through so we can answer for you. Also, make sure you hit the like button as well as know that you're enjoying the conversation. Uh, Keith from Sydney, folks have been saying since three years ago that Google AdWords is starting to show signs of slowing down. Are they? Mm. Um, look, I mean, if you have the money and the budget, um, both uh, Google Ads and Facebook Ads are well worth doing, um, both for different reasons. Uh, a lot of my retailers, I tend to focus on Facebook Ads because the conversion is uh, a lot easier to track and for small budgets, I find is a better return. Uh, Google Ads... Um, yeah, I still think it's a definite need. I would do a lot of uh, niching down in regards to your keywords, making sure that you're not doing a bunch of keywords and getting a lot of clicks for things that uh, and people that aren't really uh, who you're looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I would recommend. Uh, and definitely, um, yeah, uh, uh, Facebook ads I like because I can actually, you get into their newsfeed, you get into where they are, you get into them when they're scrolling. So it's a completely different need. Whereas a Google ads, you're definitely going for people who have already made up their mind and they're already searching for something. So you just got to depend on what your product or service is and whether they um, would fall into the more the Google ads or the Facebook ads. But if you can have a mixture of both, then I think you would be covering those bases, but very specific in your niching. Um, you're speaking to, to people on different stages of the buyer's journey as well. Like if you look at Eugene Schwartz's model of the five levels of awareness, you've got like unaware to, to most aware. You know, most aware is somebody that's that's very clear on your product, very clear on your service, what other products are out there, the price point, everything else. That's the people you're finding on Google Ads because they're searching a keyword because they want, they, they already, they've already identified that they've got a problem, that there's a solution available, that there's products available, and now they're just wanting to kind of find the right fit. So therefore you're paying, you're paying more for those leads or those clicks because you, you're essentially getting a more qualified buyer or prospect. Yeah. Whereas on Facebook, you're speaking to people that are maybe unaware or they've got they're, they're problem aware. They've got a w awareness that they have a problem, but not sure what the solution is. Yeah. And if you're able to drop the right message in front of them at the right time that speaks into their problem, mm. you can earn their trust and influence from a very early, early place on that buyer's journey and yeah. move them through the cycles to be able to be, able to be the only option to buy from. And that, that's where what you spoke about as well, like knowing your niche, you know, like if you're, if you're someone that just services, you know, you, you run ads for everyone in every niche, it's very hard to speak to a problem, right? And it's even harder to cut through the noise out there. And so that's where I find as well, like for us and, and for our clients is that, you know, Google AdWords is great if you're wanting to speak to someone at that particular stage of their journey, but that might not work for every business. But I think regardless, you should have Google AdWords set up for keywords related to your business. Yeah. If they type in the game changes, you want to make sure they're finding the game changers. Yeah, you know, that's right. Of, uh, you've got yeah, that's what I mean. You've definitely got to have your keywords niche down for Google Ads if you want to just continually run those keywords that are specific, and that way you're not wasting clicks and and paying for clicks, but you're still getting those people who might be just googling to find out more about you. Mm. Uh, and you can also set up in Google is a Google Insights where you can set up that it has um, you can look for yeah, your own 
you can um, actually have your own uh, business set up, can't you? And then you can see who's talking about you as well. That's not that's more a research thing, but there's a lot of things you can do with Google um, Google AdWords. But yeah, I, I would find if you're at a smaller stage with a smaller budget, stick to your niche keywords and um, focus on your targeting for your Facebook ads and making sure that you're not just going Australia and clicking everyone. Um, yeah. Make sure that you've researched who you're going to look for. And if you possibly can do your Facebook pixel and your retargeting. So making sure you're making that dollar work for you and making sure you're not wasting it on people who don't want to see your ad. You're, you're actually targeting people. It was like I was looking for dog beds and the next thing I know, um, 500 dog bed things come up and I'm like, oh, I need a dog bed. There it is. So bang, I bought the dog bed and then I find that everyone else that knows me has been shown the dog bed and now they've got the dog bed. So before I know it, there's I, I'm like the referral agent for every dog bed there is yeah, so yeah. it's the same thing if you can get into the feed and I go oh that's good you know then you're going to get them so that's a warm yeah. audience that's and when that's you're more likely even, to convert and that's not even going in the rabbit hole around like Facebook and Google listening to us through oh um, yeah phones on our phones and yeah. uh, presenting things up mysteriously that we have yeah. been speaking about all of a sudden there's an issue that's a whole other conversation that's exactly right we were just sitting here talking about me purchasing the dog bed then both my girls in here um got the ad for the yeah. dog bed. so yeah. you know um yeah we've got to be aware that's... i mean i don't think we're silly i think we know that they're all listening to us but let's just make the yeah. most of it as long as you know good luck to them if they can get anything from my conversations but i'd be happy if they can give me something i need without me having to think about it Absolutely, absolutely. Let's switch again. I want to come back to what we spoke about before um, as well. And please, uh, those of you that are watching today live or even the replays, um, chuck any comments or any questions you've got in and love to get them answered for you as well. Um, and that's around what I see with business owners or entrepreneurs. They start their business. They uh, have this drive to be successful, but they start kind of providing, uh, in, in many ways, everything to everyone. And uh, curious to know, like, out of you guys listening today, like, can you relate to that? When you start in business, were you kind of offering everything to everyone in terms of service and product offering? And there becomes a point where that's unsustainable and unscalable in business. And we started speaking about this principle of niching. The way I like to put it is this, like, imagine you're out there fishing with a net. The more that you try to uh, pull that net wider, thinking that if I just pull this net wider, I can catch more fish, the more the holes open up in the net and the more fish that actually get through. And it's similar with niching and it's similar with marketing is that if we're trying to catch everything and everyone, a lot of the big fish are slipping through rather than niching down. What do you think stops entrepreneurs from being specific and going after a tight target market? I'm just scared. I, I think from what I sense is that they're scared they're going to miss out. Like why would I, they say, why would I miss out? Why would I not want to get as many leads as possible? And what you can find is if you do that, you'll get them. You, you will get the leads, but there'll be uh, unqualified leads. There'll be people that are just wasting your time. Yeah. And then what will happen is you'll be wasting literally money, your time. So I think that why would you not want to own, um, own your own niche, own that, your area of genius, if you want to call it, or that part of your business where you do that thing best and just run with that. So what, what you can do is you go, okay, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to then go to wherever those people are. So whether that means you go to networking events, whether that means you go to Facebook groups, you go. So what you're doing then is saying, well, this is what I'm going to own and this is what I'm going to fish 
is just this little section here. Super and then counterintuitive, right? Hey? It's super counterintuitive. Yeah, it just, your brain's just saying, well, no, but there's so many out there. Well, there are, but your chance, you're then within so many other competitors' realm. So mm. why would you want to do that too? Why would you not want to be the biggest fish, the biggest one in your pond instead of being a small one with so many others? And it's like me. I could easily do social media. Um, I don't know. They're all called content creators today, which is fine, but every single person is a, con a content creator today. Yeah. Why would I want to be part of that noise? Why would I want to be yeah. part of that audience? That's for another group of people. That's um, It's not what what I want to be known for. It's not what I'm best at. Yeah. So uh, it's part of our, our realm, but it's not who we are. Yeah. And I think that's why you've got to find who you are. Otherwise, you will just be lost. You'll be lost amongst all your competitors and just another one that they'll go, oh, it's just another one. But, you know, what is it that makes you different not best at what is it that makes you different and and own it i, I think um it's very nicely put and i think that there's two things um first and foremost one is i think there's a lack of knowledge in entrepreneurs around knowing their numbers mm. it's like oh i want to get to a million bucks or i want to get to 10 million bucks right so they go after everything everyone but they haven't actually worked out what that looks like oh yeah and um there's a tool that we developed as you know called the profit plan which like it's mind blowing and not released outside of our community, um, but gives you absolute clarity and specifics around what you need to do in whatever your business to get to where you want to go. And the thing is, as you know, like ninja precise around working that out. So I think, and I think it's, the, yeah. it's just sorry. the clarity from it. The clarity from it alone allows you to really set goals and focus on you, you are just laser focused on what you need to get to. And that's where I found um, before being part of the game changes, it was just a matter of make money, spend money, whatever's left is whatever's left. It was yep. just, that's what we did. Um, yep. We had a great team, but I don't even think we really tracked, did we make any money out of that client? It was just, yep. they paid us, we had expenses, it went. And, and then when I really started to delve in to break even and, and all of the things that I should have been doing to begin with, um, because when you go, a lot of people, when they're saying entrepreneurship, a lot of people go from freelancing. Yes. So you're freelancing uh, as I was, and it was just yourself. And then things were fine. And then you got too big, too busy. And you thought, oh, I'll just get someone to help me. Yeah, that's fine. And then you get busier and then you get another person. And before you know it, you have a thing and you put a name on it and it becomes a business. It doesn't mean you know how to run one. Yeah. So this is what people need um, help with that. If I'd had that help five years ago, I'd be in a different spot. Now I'm in a great spot, but I'd rather be had five years on what I am now because I would have been in control of all of those numbers instead of just letting it come in and go and assuming that's just how it was supposed to be. Yeah. I, I, I think like a lot of people are working way more than they need to. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a little bit against the grain of what a lot of, the perceived like gurus not that i see myself as a guru at all but the gurus or the coaches out there are kind of sharing and you know i'm more around how can we create like that holistic approach if you've got ambitions to to generate a, a bunch of cash like that's totally fine like that's cool and and you, you you're worthy enough to do just that um but it's important to know what we want and why we want it and things like you know coming back to where we started with the whole marketing piece is that if, you, if you're clearing your numbers, you can very easy through that software that we have, or even doing it yourself and working it out, reverse engineer what needs to happen at what stage of your business to get there. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's just it's, it's basic mathematics and then being disciplined enough to apply it. But I think the second piece that um, we need to speak on or touch on too is the psychology aspect yes. of it. Oh, and 100%. The psychological aspect of like doubling down and going all in on something that you know feels right and something that is a fit and alignment, as you said, becoming an expert. Yeah. It's like there's this aspect of us feeling that we're going to miss out on something if we start to like... I remember when I first started coaching and at the time I charged $250 an hour for a session, which I thought back then was okay. Yeah. And my coach at the time um, started to ask me for my prices up and I, I went from 250 to, it was like two grand a month, unlimited coaching. Yeah. Um, but it worked out that the sessions were worth much more than 250. Yeah. And I had a lot of stuff come up. Well, who's going to serve, who's going to serve those people that can't afford to pay me that. Yeah. And what I ended up working out is it's kind of like the food chain. There's always going to be a bigger fish that eats a smaller fish. Mm. It's just, you just have an option and a choice. Like where do you want to sit on the food chain? Do you want to be like a shrimp or do you want to be like a salmon or do you want to be like a, a, a whale shark? Like yeah. it's, it's up, it's up to you where you want to sit. There's no judgment of whatever level that is, whatever game, no. but it's understanding like what is your core driver in the beginning? There was definitely an element core driver was me getting out of scarcity for myself. Yeah. There was definitely an element of that. And that, that, that is the case for most business owners is I want to get to a level where I've got a certain level of financial freedom, so to speak. Yeah. But there's this tipping point where they move past financial freedom. As you, as you said, their business becomes a thing. Yeah. They stop looking at the right things. And all of a sudden they go from like chasing financial freedom yeah. to then just trying to keep the wheels on. Oh, yeah. And, and, open. And, and that thing that um, I, I always love, um, the more dollars in your revenue just creates more dollars in your problems. Yeah. And um, that to me was 100% how it happens. You're basically nailing it. You've got a, um, you're a freelancer, you know, everything's great. You know, you've got a great reputation. You're building business, business, business. And then you put on one person, two people, three. And before you know it, your problems, well, your problems, your, your um, expenses are also up. And, and then your insurances and then your HR. And then before you know it, it's a conglomerate that you're no longer in control of. Yeah. And what happens is it gets out of control and gets away from you. And then you're stuck putting out fires every day and yeah. you're not back to doing what your core um, zone of genius is that got you there in the first place. Yeah. So what I try and tell clients is they have to go back to their why. Why did you start? Why are you doing it? And go to your vision and your mission. What is your ultimate vision? And yeah. then, you know, and then your mission, how do you want to get there? And then if you, have that down even if you stick it on your wall then you'll always know where you're going but what happens is if you lose sight of any of that then you literally are just putting out fires and uh, you'll never level up because you'll always be stuck um, you know dealing with problems and I mean that's what your book helps with uh, and that's what a lot of the training I've found that I've stepped out of the way and my staff have taken over and they've absolutely excelled haven't you yes They've all excelled at it. They're all listening. Um, they've excelled at it. And that's because I got out of the way. Um, yeah. And I think that's what I found that a lot of the um, Game Changer members have found, that they don't need us. <laughs> um, they can just do their job perfectly fine without us. And they just have us here for support in driving the vision. Yeah. So um, 100%, if you can get the work done, you need to do the work to get all that sorted. Then once yeah. that work's done, then you can drive. And I think yeah. that that's where it comes down to for all entrepreneurs that get to that stage of being, say, a solopreneur and then becoming into a business. That's where you get lost between those two. And that's what happened to me over five years. 
I got bigger and bigger and bigger and then I just lost how why I was there in the first place I was just constantly putting out fires yeah what a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand is that that every staff member bring on um, adds a multiplication of complexity to the business times three yeah it's like oh it's just one more staff member it's not the what we found is there's a complexity level times three for every staff member put on board yeah. And often staff, like in the beginning, when you don't know any better, it's like, oh, we're busy, we need more staff. But, you know, moving a business from growth stage into scale stage is a very different mindset. It's a very different way of being and doing things. And more staff can equal more problems um, when there's other solutions around, like tightening up on what it is you're offering. You know, we talked before about kind of working for everyone and anyone. Like, you know, love to know, uh, for those of you that are watching today, um, have you noticed that whenever you try to look after a customer uh, by way of discount or bending inflection of their terms, that they're the customers that always kick in the ass? Mm. Like the customers that you try to look after, you try to help out, you try to do a better price on, they are always the customers that kick you in the ass. And you not, not only do you make less money, you often don't make no money or yeah. they cost you money to service because you're not valuing your service, you're not valuing yourself and you're offering enough to be firm on your price because you want to help everyone out. The way that you help them out is by first helping yourself out by, by being clear on, on the fact of what you're offering and what price you're offering it for and allowing that to be a qualifier of whether people choose to do business with you or not. It's not yeah. being selfish at, 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 at all. And sometimes we need to be self, we need to be selfish to be selfless, meaning that we need to be clear on our boundaries and our standards and our ways of doing things because we train people all the time how to treat us. Mm. And if we're constantly taking on board, you know, discounting and changing things, that's extra complexity for the business, extra complexity for your staff. Like the whole thing gets a bit of a miss. And I guess that's what I really tried to get across like in, in my book is that the steps to build a business that's profitable and that can work without you are fairly easy. Like they, they, they're information you can find online. Uh, although some of the stuff that we put in there is very much our own methodology and that that we've created over the last 18 years. Like there's a lot of new things in there or different ways of doing things that we know work very, very well. That being said, though, I think the bigger part is the psychological shift that you have to make in implementing this stuff. You can have all those things set up and wonder why you're still a prisoner to your business because mentally and psychologically and uh, energetically and emotionally, you haven't transitioned through those stages to be able to build a business that can work without you. That you create sabotages. You, you sabotage yourself behind the wrong staff or being too much of a control freak or making stupid decisions that cause you and, and validate, I must validate and justify you needing to be there, mm. yeah. right? Like yeah, exactly. we're the biggest bottleneck of our businesses, not the fact that we have a lack of resources, but our lack of resourcefulness. Yeah. 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 And, and not wanting to let go. That's what, um, that's what I think a lot of people have. I've been lucky enough. I, I have stuff that I've, I felt that that was easy to do but a lot of people that are control freaks just tend to want to micromanage and I've never done that yeah. I, I just find that counterintuitive it just doesn't help you just like you're saying you sabotage you create more problems for you to then go and solve yeah and really they're not uh, your staff are not going to learn how to solve or do any of the the things that they need to do by themselves if you're constantly bailing them out or if you're constantly making sure they have to come to you for approval Absolutely. Um, and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to go off and do things that maybe you wouldn't have done um, but like they say 80 percent is is well and truly good enough if that's close enough to what they're going to be doing to what you would do um, yeah. and then you can grow them in a culture that enables them to, like we're saying, to come with vulnerability and, and, and really ask for help if they need it. 
um, but also have the knowledge that you trust them enough to make those calls. And if you have your uh, core values set out and everyone knows what your core values are, then when they're making that decision, that's what they go back to. Yeah. So does this align with our core values? And if it does, then that's a th something they can go ahead with. If it yeah. doesn't align, then they know that that's something they really need to reassess. And yeah. if your business knows what those core values are, there's a lot easier uh, decisions made and a lot easier towards uh, the same vision as opposed to everyone having different uh, agendas as such. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, curious to know, uh, for all of you that are watching this live on the replay, like what's been the biggest takeaway so far from um, our chat today with Nicola? We've covered a lot of grounds. I get my team to drop a link there. Like if you're curious and you're wanting to build a, a purpose-driven, profitable business that works without you, um, just subscribe to get insights the moment that this drops. Um, we'll, we'll let you know when it drops, how it drops, and also uh, the bunch of bonuses we're putting together to release the, with the book um, as well. Uh, Nicola, too, start the date with the live streams. We've got some amazing guests. We've got one on this afternoon with Vanessa Fiducia uh, and Eddie May from Profit First Accounting. Yeah. I know a good friends of Nicola as well. They're amazing uh, when it comes to helping business owners to really eradicate entrepreneurial poverty through setting up their books and uh, cash in such a way that allows you with complete clarity at any stage to know where you're at, uh, which is something that I see a lot of business owners really struggle with is the financial aspect of growing a business, which it's crazy because it's the backbone of building a business is, is that it generates cash, it's, it's profitable uh, and obviously manages its finances as well. And equally too, Nicola, like if people want to reach out to you and understand how maybe you can help them grow, whether they've got an online business or retail business through paid advertising, organic advertising, how do they best find you? Uh, nw-marketing.com.au uh, uh, or on the socials for the same. We've got Facebook. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn too. You've just under Nicola Willis, Nicola with a K. Fantastic. Um, yeah. And then um, when you Google it, it's all there. Absolutely. Awesome. And Rafi will drop a link too. So if you're curious to find out ways of doing it, I think there's never been a better time than now to advertise. Like we were a company that continued to advertise. We, we went even harder during COVID because a lot of um, businesses pulled back on ad spend, which meant that there was more capacity in the platform. So our lead, drop, lead costs dropped by 65, 70% um, in some forms as well. And I think that marketing is one of those things it's like running water you i think you always want to be running water through the pipes but you've got the ability to turn it up and down depending on where your business is at i think the best time to market is actually when you're busy because yeah. you have the capacity and the cash flow to innovate and to try new campaigns to get ones that are working well i think the worst time is when you haven't got any work because at that stage most likely many other competitors in the marketplace are also experiencing a downturn whereas if you've got consistency with facebook and instagram and people like that uh, platforms like that you're running ads the algorithms are working for you you can turn it up and down to suit your lead flow and, and let's be honest too you can always put your prices up if you are in massive demand which allows you to be able to service your clients better if there's more cash running through the business um, as well really? Nicola last question I'd like to ask all the guests uh, on here that if you were to have a conversation with a younger version of you let's say a 10 year old version of Nicola okay uh, what would you what would you what advice would you give her knowing what you know now? Uh, to have more confidence in um, what you do. Because when you start out, you always think the imposter syndrome. Yeah. You know, you, you sort of think, well, well, surely I can't do that. Or yeah. surely I, I, I won't be able to compete and do that. When 
no, it, it's all about how much you put into it and what your values and how you're driven. Uh, it shows through. Authenticity shows through. So I would say, you know, don't worry too much about um, the imposter syndrome and thinking it's something you can't do because all you need to do is be yourself and it'll shine through anyway. So that's yeah. what I would say for sure. And I don't know about you, like this is a whole other conversation, but I don't know if the imposter syndrome goes away. I don't. Well, it hasn't yet, but I've learned to manage it. Um, yeah, I think the more success either. you get, the more success you get, you can sort of quantify it with yourself a little bit. But when you're starting out and people are like, oh, my God, I've got to work with you. You're amazing. You'll do this. You go, really? Are you? Is that really? Okay. That, and then you like another one, another one. You're okay. No, I am. And I'm going to own this and I'm going to, you know, provide my value, whatever that is for people who want it um, and provide it as best I can. But it is hard, isn't it, sometimes to really think, okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's just being aware that it's always there, the same as the fear and the same as uncertainty. And let's be honest, like if you if you wanted to have a, a certainly driven life, um, entrepreneurship is probably not the right path to take. No, roller coaster is what I would say. Yeah. If you're ready, you're ready for the roller coaster, the highs is super, super high. But you got to, you know, you're not going to know they're high, are you, until you actually go through the roller coaster. So we've done that, and all entrepreneurs know exactly how that feels. And the the excitement is you get up there to the top, and then the harrowing down, and then the up again. So yeah, be prepared for it. But it's the best journey for sure. Yeah, and I think the more that you go through it, the more that you can learn to enjoy that roller coaster ride as well. Yeah. And each um, one's a, a learning opportunity for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Nicola, so grateful for your time. So grateful for having the show. Um, if you've watched us, you've tuned in, uh, please hit the like button, tag somebody in who you think uh, could get some value out of the conversation today as well. And let us know what the biggest takeaway was. Nicola, so grateful to have you on board and look forward yeah. to uh, catching the next one. All right. See you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Game Changers podcast. Uh, there's a couple of things I'd love you to do to help us and help yourself to spread the message further. Uh, make sure that you like the Game Changers on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, please subscribe by clicking the link below to ensure that you keep up to date with the weekly episodes we uh, share here at the Game Changers podcast with amazing entrepreneurs and business owners around the world. And of course, like if you're in a position where you may be overwhelmed with business or looking for a way to grow faster and more effectively, and you realize that the key to success is being surrounded by amazing people who have been there and done that before, I'd like to invite you to apply to have a game plan session one-on-one -on -one with one of my team here at The Game Changers. There's no cost. If you get through, uh, all that we ask is that you are doing a minimum of $250,000 per year to really be able to utilize the strategies and tactics and the mindset shifts that we share with you, uh, that you're coachable, that you're a decent person and you're, you know, you're willing to take on board some advice. If not, that's totally cool. Uh, but I know for me, I wouldn't be where I am right now without the support of so many mentors and coaches and resources along the way. And I'd like to pay that forward and give back to you the opportunity to work with uh, us one-on-one -on -one for free to put together a customized game plan. And the reason we're doing this is a couple of things. Number one is that sometimes it's just the smallest thing that can make the biggest difference. And uh, I think that entrepreneurs and business owners have the opportunity to change the world. And if we can maybe help you to, to make the smallest shift to change your life and your world, uh, you're changing ours in return. The second thing is that we are always looking for amazing clients to work with and to welcome into and invite into the Game Changers community. And so if at the end of the call, you do feel that there's a huge amount of value there, uh, that we fit, feel that there's a great values fit there, we can have a conversation about working together. But uh, this game plan call, there's absolutely no obligations to work with whatsoever. Allow us to help you with uh, the years and years and years of, of knowledge that we have in growing and scaling great companies 
companies. And uh, I think that uh, business owners are the future of the world. If there's a way that we can help you to create a better business, more profit, more fulfillment, more fun, I would love the opportunity to do that now. So click the link below, book your game plan session, make sure you follow us on social and start to date with the latest episodes of the Game Changers podcast. My name's Barry William McGinney. Thank you so much for your support and look forward to seeing the next one. Bye for now.